You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. Axe Church Northwest is located in Vancouver, Washington. We meet each Sunday with two services, one at 9 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. If this is your first time listening, welcome. We hope you enjoy. Want to know more about us? You can check us out online at www.axecamus.org. Okay, here's the sermon. We hope God blesses you through it. Wow, it's uh, a real privilege to be back. It really is. Uh, I had a chance to be here before the two groups came together, and then I had a chance to be in Camas with uh, many of you all about a year ago or so. And, uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussion among my team about what's the best way to invest this property and who do we trust it with and 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 we really want to develop a foundation church and 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 I'll tell you this morning just just as I see the work that you've done and I, I experience worship with you all I am so affirmed that together we're going to be able to reach this region for Jesus Christ uh absolutely absolutely uh, so pleased with the direction you all are headed. I know you're making sacrifices, and I just, I just want to say thank you. And by the way, you may not be aware of this, but all across those states that he just mentioned, there are thousands of people praying every week just for you and just for what you're doing here. You know, we, there, there's this, we think it's a myth, but there's this thought that, that the, the Portland region, it's just too far gone. It, 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 it's just too far. Post truth, post this, post that, right? You just can't reach it. And we think that is false. Like we think our God is bigger than all that stuff, right? We really do. And so it's, 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 it's really important that a group of people agree with God that, 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 that everybody everywhere can be reached. And uh, so we're praying with you and agreeing with you. And wow, I'm impressed so far. Wow, you're doing great work. This, uh, we, we brought a group of pastors through this, this facility yesterday, and just, just way to go. Keep it up. Don't stop now. Uh, just, just really excited for you all and praying a lot for you all. I have the privilege uh, to do next one of the things that I just love to do, and that is just, just to teach from God's Word. Uh, it, it's, I, I hope you know you're privileged to get to read it, and, and I want to walk you through a story today that, well, like me, maybe you've been to church a long time, some of you, and you've read this story, heard this story a hundred times, and, and if you're like me, you can just kind of skip through some of those stories now because you, you know them. But recently, uh, a few years ago now, but, but, but recently had an opportunity to learn even more about a story that, that an author named Mark tells about Jesus early in his ministry, and it's wrecking my life. And I think if you just start over and enjoy a story with me this morning, maybe God will speak to you through it. It's in Mark chapter 2. So however it is that, that you access the text these days, if you want to turn there with me, I think they're going to put the words on the screen as well. And just really encourage you, uh, start over with this story. Let's just, let's just enjoy it together. Start over with this story and maybe, maybe you'll meet... Uh, hmm. Maybe you'll meet some characters for the first time. We'll see. It starts this way. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, 
and he preached the word to them. Let's just stop there for just a minute to make sure uh, you get the context of what's going on. Because this, this story would have just been told in conversation initially, and people who were hearing it would have understood some things that we might not thousands of years later, right? So, so Jesus, uh, this is very, in Mark chapter 2, so it's very early on in his ministry. He's just starting to become famous. Just starting. So most of his adult life had been lived around what the Bible calls the Sea of Galilee. They call that in Israel the Sea of Galilee. In our world, we call it a lake. Like, it's not that big, really, okay? But, but there was, around this lake, there were fishing villages around it, and, and, and everybody earned their income that way. Like, they'd fished, and they'd sell their fish to traders who'd take the fish, whatever. And Jesus, most of his adult life is spent right around this Sea of Galilee, particularly his hometown as an adult is Capernaum. This is where he's from. So it's early on in his ministry. He's just getting started. But it's going like, at this point, it's going really well. Like, some of you may remember when he was baptized, heaven opened up and God spoke. I don't know if that happened. Some of you have been baptized. I don't know if that happened to you, but it didn't happen to me. That's rare. That's unusual. You would be famous if that happened to you, right? This happened to Jesus. Pretty cool. And then when he taught, like when he would do what I'm doing right now, he was really good, okay? Like he got kind of famous pretty quick because he was good at it, right? And then, not only that, but people would come and they would get healed. Like they'd be diseased or paralyzed. or People were being healed, and that word started to get around too. So he's just starting to get, they don't know who he is. Like he's clearly a great rabbi, clearly a great teacher. Is he Messiah? Is he like son of God? That They would use the term son of man in those days. Is, is he the Messiah? We don't know, but wow, he's something. Okay, so, so somehow, he's, he's been on the road for a while. So he left Capernaum. This has probably been a few months now. He's been, he's been away from Capernaum, traveling to other villages. You've heard of something called the Sermon on the Mount, those kind of things that happened. Somehow he sends word back to home that he's coming back home. This is pre-Twitter, so we don't know how he got the word back, right? But like, carrier pigeon, whatever, okay? Sends word back, and somebody, I've been to Capernaum. There's like no rec centers, gyms, big sanctuaries, right? Somebody booked Jesus in their living room in Capernaum. Like somebody gets word, hey, come to my house. And then they send invitations out to everybody in Capernaum. This would be a big deal, like social can't miss event of the year in Capernaum, right? Jesus, living room, seven o'clock, be there. And everybody who's anybody, like you'd have the chief of police, the mayor, everybody who's anybody in Capernaum would be there, right? You even had some riffraff in the back, do I have any riffraff today? Like, like, yeah, I always get most volunteers today. This is good, this is good. A lot of riffraff, okay, this is good. So I'll be at home, so this is cool. So everybody was in the living, right? Everybody's there, it's packed. Jesus is teaching, and when Jesus teaches, it always goes well, so it's a big night, right? Okay, now, verse 3, this is where it starts to get a little interesting. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Okay, so you got to stop there, because this would be, if you understood the context and culture of the moment, this, this would be quite a deal. It was believed that... In Jesus' day, it was believed, actually it was taught by people like me, like teacher types, religious professional types. It was taught that if you were paralyzed or diseased, like leprosy or whatever, that it's because God hated you. 
This, this was the common teaching of the day. It, 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 you, you were taught this man who was on the mat, we don't know his name, he's never shared, maybe we'll call him Joe today just to, just to have a name to hang on to. Sorry if your name's Joe, but anyway, uh, Joe would have been taught like his whole life that God hated him, that he was a sinner. And not only was he a sinner, but he was such a bad sinner that God, God hated him. He was, not, he was going to spend all of eternity away from God, but God was going to punish him while on earth, and that's why he was paralyzed. He would have been taught this. Everybody would have been taught this. This would have been the deal. However, what's interesting about this story is at least four guys bring him to the house. Now, 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 what would have happened in Jesus' day, there's no homes or facilities of care of any kind for somebody like this. So he would have had to rely on somebody in the community to care for him day in and day out. And apparently he struck gold because there's at least four guys who apparently do this. Like, like every morning they would have gone to his home, maybe he lived with them or gone to his home, cleaned him up, do all the things you have to do with somebody who lives on a mat they would, take, they would have taken him to the street where he would beg during the day while they fished. They'd have come home, sold, come back, sold their fish, gone and picked Joe up from the street, taken him back. This is, this is his life. This is how they've chosen to live life. And apparently, when they hear Jesus is in town, when they get the message, their first thought is, hey, we got to get Joe to Jesus. So it says they show up and they pick him up. And when you're paralyzed on a mat and somebody picks you up, they what? They pick you up, right? You know, probably Joe doesn't want to be there. Very likely, this is not something he's asking for because he knows he's hated by God. And this is somebody apparently close to God, right? But they go and they pick him up and they bring him. Watch what happens next. It says, verse 4, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, let's just stop right there for a second because you got to understand what happens here, right? Because there's a reason. Because we know later in the story, there's plenty of room for, room for Joe in the house. He gets in, they make room, it's all good, but not yet. Some of you, maybe some of you riffraff will identify with me on this because we understand this. You ever been somewhere where you're not cool enough for school? Yeah, right? You're not dressed right, or you don't talk right, or you know, you whatever, whatever. You don't look the the part, right? And people can get all like wide on you, right? Like, ah, there's no room. It's all crowded. I'm sorry, you know. This is this is what happens. This would have been the thing. Like, here's here's how the conversation would have gone. Everybody who heard this story would have known this instantly. They would have known. Like, yep. So they show up with Joe, and the people in the entryway, like who got in last, turn around. They're like, are you kidding? You brought Joe? You don't bring a sinner. We booked Jesus. Everybody knows God hates Joe. No. Here's the deal. Take him home. We'll send a ministry team later, right? And then we'll let you in. But you can't get in with, with Joe, Right? This is what happens. So, so now is where it gets crazy. This is a real story corroborated by lots of witnesses. Okay? This is what happens. This really happens. It says, Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. 
Now let's not miss this. Because it was as uncool in Jesus' day as it would be today to tear a hole in your neighbor's roof. Right? That's never been okay. It's never been proper etiquette. Right? But this is literally what they do. Oh, it's just, I, I just, I love this moment. I, I assume God has DVR, so I'm going to, when I get to heaven, replay this conversation. Like, how do you get from, can't get in the front door, to, let's go through the roof? How do you, how do you, I, here's how I think it happened. You can have your own theory, and it's, it's nothing but a theory, but I, I think I've, I think I know how it happened. Here's how I think it happened. So, they back up from the front door, right? And, and I'm sure there was like a management type in the group. There's always a management type, you know. They pull out their whiteboard, right? And they're like, hey, let's have a brainstorming session. No idea is a bad idea, blah, blah, blah. You've heard these. You've been in these meetings, right? You've been in lots of these meetings, right? I'm sure that started that way, right? And they go around and they, they listen to all the normal ideas. But none of them are going to work, apparently. Like normal, sane ideas. None of them are going to work. And then I think somebody... Well, here's who I think. So, so maybe you're like me. In my group of, of, of friends, I have at least one friend who's, how should we say, way out of the box. <laughs> like, uh, you would never take life counsel from this person. <laughs> don't, if, if that person's beside you, you don't have to look right now. But, like, like, like I would never seek marriage counseling from this person, for instance, right? They don't have good advice. God did not endow them with a lot of wisdom. That's just not their gift in life, right? But they're a lot of fun, right? They're a blast to hang with, so you include them in the posse, right? Like, wow, you make life fun. I think it was that guy, like the first guy to get a tattoo in Capernaum, right? <laughs> think with me. Like, I think it was that guy who says, you know what? Let's go through the roof. Let's go right in on top. I, that's just how I think it happened. I, you can have your own theory. It's just a theory. We'll, we'll, we'll gather again in heaven and we'll, we'll see who was right. Okay. So it says, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. So be in the room with me just for a moment. Maybe you're the homeowner. Big night for you, right? You booked Jesus. Thumbs up. The hors d'oeuvres, I bet, were spectacular, right? And then all of a sudden, the roof starts to kind of cave in on you there. You send the kids out. Hey, get, get the kids off the roof. And they come back. It ain't kids. It's Joe and his four buddies, right? Does State Farm cover this? You don't know, right? Like, and you think about this. You think about the size of hole it would have had to take to lower a man on the mat through it. That's a big pile of dirt in your living room floor, right? Right? Jesus has to shut the teaching down eventually. The mayor's got dirt on his head. What? Okay, you with me? Now, here's what would have been obvious to those who heard the story the first time. What comes next, we all know what comes next. Because we have a rabbi, an esteemed teacher at the very least. And he is about to deliver one of the all-time harsh lectures. Like we're about to hear a sinner get it. 
He's going to get what's coming. There were, as we know, there were teachers of the law there. We'll read about them in a minute. These were people who taught the part of the Bible they had in those days, the, the Torah and the prophets, the law and the prophets, the, the what we referred to as the Old Testament. Like They had been the ones teaching about sinners and God's condemnation and everybody knows. And by the way, if some of you are new to this whole thing, this whole relationship with Jesus Christ thing, and you wonder why some of us are so crazy in love with Him, you're about to see. Because everybody waits, and here's what Jesus says. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, He said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> yeah. He's the best. He starts, this is incredible. You imagine this man on the mat hearing these words, right? He starts with the word, the NIV, which we're reading from today, it translates it son. Other versions might use the term child. What, what it means at its core is closest member of my family. That's the word he starts with. You imagine this man on the mat hearing that word? He's been taught his whole life. God hates me. And Jesus looks at him and he says, Child, says, Son. Then he says, You know those things you stay up late at night thinking back through? You're like, you're like Maybe it's because I did that. Maybe it's because I said that or thought this. Maybe that's why God hates me. Jesus says, no, those are forgotten. Those aren't even remembered against you anymore. They're gone. I'm going to stop here for just a minute because it may be that if, if I ask who you identify with in this story the most, you'd say the guy in the mat. And if that's the case, I hope you hear those words today. Child, that would have been one of the all-time great moments in Jesus' story, except there were church people there that night, and church people mess everything up, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we're going to read about them next in verse 6. It says, some teachers of the law were sitting there. Teachers of the law, I just explained, you know, who they are. They'd be... Uh, people like today's version of me, right? It says they were sitting there and they were thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? He can't do that. He doesn't have the right to do that. He can't, he can't just go around doing that. Verse 8 Immediately, Jesus, you know, he, he says something here, isn't it? He, if you follow Jesus for very long, you know that he doesn't even know, he, he not only knows what you say, but he also knows what you think, right? It can be very frustrating, to be honest. Yeah, it can be very frustrating. Anyway, but he does, and it says, he knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts, and he said to them, now, let's stop here, because he's about to ask them a couple of questions, and and, and they don't respond. 
but that's they were rhetoric the rhetorical kind of questions they weren't supposed to respond like remember when your mom if you remember back this far like your mom would say do you want to go to timeout right she wasn't really looking for a response it was a more of a thought-provoking moment for you right was the idea well this is this is what jesus is doing he says why are you thinking these things which is easier to say to this paralyzed man your sins are forgiven or to say get up take your mat and walk See, that's, that's the question, right? And so here Jesus is saying, you're right. I could just say to people, your sins be forgiven. And we'd have no way to verify that. It could be happening or not happening. We don't know. Like, no, your hair doesn't change color. You don't, you know, get younger or whatever. When I say that, nothing, we don't see anything happens. I could just be saying that. But, but, what if I say, get up? That'll be different, right? Because we know Joe. We've seen him for like a couple decades on the street begging. We know he can't walk. What if I say, get up? And they're thinking, yeah, that'd be different. I bet you could hear a pin drop, right? Because now fake, fraud, or Messiah. Like, like this is it. This is a moment right in front of us because we know Jesus. He lives here. We've known him for years. You can't, you're not going to fool us. We know Joe. We've known him for years. We're all watching. Verse 10. But I want you to know the Son of Man, another term for the Messiah, one from God, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. There it is. And everybody turns to look at Joe, right? Verse 12, he got up. Took his mat and walked out. They watch uh, muscles that have been atrophied for a lifetime get strength. They watch arteries and tendons grow life. And they watch somebody get up that they know can't get up. And it, it's interesting here. It's, he must have been a very polite guy because he gets up, rolls his mat up, and just walks out. Right? Like I would have danced and high-fived some riffraff and all that. And he just... <laughs> He just kind of walks out and heads out to the front yard. I bet there was a party in the front yard like had not been seen in Capernaum for a while, right? I bet there's four, at least four guys on a roof who meet him in the front yard. Actually, I bet the out-of-the-box guy comes right through the hole and runs through everybody, right? <laughs> right? But I bet they had a blast. Kind of like what we read about in Luke 15, if you're familiar with the text. Like in Luke 15, the way heaven goes crazy when the one who is lost comes home. I bet that's what happens in the front yard. I bet every year, like every year, they get together on that date, break out the cigars or whatever they did, and just like, wow. This is the day Joe met Jesus. Right? This is the day. He goes on to say that everybody was amazed. They'd never seen anything like this. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Verse 13. 
I want, I want to do now from this story is just ask you a couple questions in conclusion. Uh, these questions that I ask, I think will be a little offensive, actually. But that's okay. I'll be at a different church next Sunday, so you can be mad. It's okay. It's okay. Mark tells this story making a very specific point. He does not tell us anything about Jesus' teaching that night. He wants us to know the story is not about Jesus' teaching. It's about who's in the kingdom, what's the kingdom like. And the kingdom of heaven that night were, at, were four guys who tore a hole in a roof. He wants to be very clear to you this morning that the kingdom of heaven is full of people who creatively, sacrificially, and consistently serve people who are on mats and are willing to tear holes in roofs to get them to the one who died for them. That's what a Jesus follower looks like. So, back to the offensive question. Is your life marked? Is your life characterized? Would the people who know you best say of you that, that your life is about consistently, creatively, sacrificially, serving somebody who's on a mat. There's a lot of ways to be on a mat. There's, there is disease and there is disability and there's addiction and there's divorce and there's bankruptcy and there's depression and I could just go on and on, right? There's all kinds of things that put us on mats and we're, we're surrounded by people who are on mats. Is your life marked by consistently and creatively and sacrificially, desperately loving and serving people who are on mats? And are you finding ways, even very etiquette-challenged ways, to introduce them to a Savior who died for them? I would suggest to you that even though you might do a lot of really good things and a lot of really religious things, if you're not yet doing that, you haven't yet gotten into step with the Master we love and serve. And I'd encourage you to take some time of reflection because that's who we're becoming. That's the one we follow and that's who we're becoming. Right in the middle of this passage, Jesus, Mark points this out so clearly. We miss it so right in the middle. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man on the mat, son, when Jesus saw the faith of four dust-covered, etiquette-challenged faces, he takes action. Finally, somebody gets it. And now I'll do something. He's ready to partner with you and walk with you 
walk in step with Him. When I ask that question, by the way, I know there's some of you in this room that can say yes to that question. You can say, yeah, that is me. I want to say this to you. Maybe it is that nobody celebrates that. When you leave that home or that school or whatever, like nobody's standing outside wanting your autograph or cheering or whatever, and you're like, does it matter? Does anybody see? Does anybody notice? I'll promise you this. Somebody does. He really matters, by the way. You're going to be stunned someday when you meet your maker face to face. And he says, well done. I've been watching and celebrating, and I've been spending thousands of years getting your reward ready. Because when you serve the least of these, you actually were serving me. He's very clear about that. When we serve somebody who's on a mat, we literally serve Jesus Christ. He said that. So now I want to pray with you. Yeah, here's what I want this to be like. I want to talk to God. And and I don't know about you, but when I pray, I consider it to be like this. It's a pretty big deal because we're talking to the one who made everything. Like, it's a pretty sacred deal, and it's pretty cool. And he also loves us crazy. Like, I mean, he just crazy. He sent his only begotten son to die for us. This person we're, that, that I'm going to talk to, at least, and you can if you want, he's like amazing. And he's like right here with us. And so I just I want to have a conversation with him. And, and, and you sure can, too, if you want to, however is comfortable for you. But just, just listen as I, as I talk to him. Father, it's a total privilege to be in your presence this morning. Like, I'm so grateful you're right here with me. Super awesome. I'm honored to be able to speak with you, and I'm honored that you love and serve me so much. I want to be like you. I really, really, really do. And I just want to confess that I'm not always. Like, if you were to ask me where I would have been that night, it, I, I don't... I don't most of the time, it, I probably just would have been in that room listening. Like, like I might not have, probably wouldn't have been on the roof a lot of, for a lot of my life, honestly. It, for me, it's, I do a lot of good things. And I do church for a living. You know that. I just, but, but so often my story is, is not the one on the mat. And, and so, God, I just, I got to confess again this morning to you about that and, and I think I'm with some folks here who would, who would agree with me that we would just ask for your help. Like we, would, we would bow humbly before you and, and just say, you're awesome. You really are the best. And we, we want to be like you. But sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we get caught up in the culture around us. Sometimes it's distraction of good things, even like church stuff. Oh, God. Oh, God, make of me the kind of person that's in step with this amazing Jesus. Make of me this kind of person that serves people on mats and crashes roofs. Make of us that. Make of this church that, Father. 
Make this church a place where people in this community are on mats are just loved crazy. They're served desperately. Make this that kind of a place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to that Acts Church sermon. We hope God spoke to you through it. We would like to invite you to join us in person on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. for our Sunday service. If you enjoyed this sermon, have questions for us, or simply want to connect with Axe Church more, find us on Facebook under Axe Church Northwest. Send us an email or message, or leave us a rating or recommendation. We appreciate all of you and hope to hear from you.